Welcome to the Untamed and Unashamed podcast. This is a place where together we can navigate through life's ups and downs with all of the vulnerability, compassion, and openness that we can muster, celebrating our bravery in all of it. Along with the help of guests from all walks of life, we'll discover new truths while doing some unlearning, and we'll gain valuable tools for becoming who we already are, while also uncovering our divine gifts. I'm Jade Bryce, and I'm so thankful that you're here. Okay, so we're having on a woman that I've been actually wanting to have on for a while now. Her name is Juliet Tang, and I'll tell you all about her, but I will say first, um, well, first of all, I am not feeling great today. I didn't want to move this interview, so you may hear some uh, elderberry drops or cough drops in my mouth at some point. Apologies for that. If you um, hear like a low energy from me or my voice feels like it's giving out, that's where it's coming from. And then when it comes to this guest, so it's so interesting when I, a couple of years ago, when I was in another partnership where I felt like, um, I wasn't with a man that I, um, could trust due to, uh, things that had happened. Uh, I wasn't able to trust the leadership and I wasn't able to trust, uh, the direction and, uh, Man, I'm, I'm not even sure how to articulate that in a way that um, feels respectful, but I just, I didn't have what I have now with the masculine and uh, that did have to heal in me before I called in the masculine that I have. And it wasn't only through healing my relationship with the masculine, it was also through healing my relationship with God and with money. And what this guest talks about is how all three are, uh, are intertwined in our relationship with them. And so I'm really excited to have her on. But when I first came across her work, I was so triggered by it. I felt, I, I don't know. I thought, I thought it was dangerous, like dangerous for us to love a man that way, to surrender to a man that way, because I was so, I was still so afraid that a man with that type of power could would easily manipulate and get away with lying all the time. I still was in the mode of, uh, speaking to the King in him. I was, I was like getting in that zone, but like protect yourself, like keep your castle gates up high because, uh, they won't always be in their King. And that's like, you know, you'll get hurt. Like I still, I'm still very much in that fearful place. And I also wasn't in a safe relationship to where, um, so at times, like, yes, it does, it does, uh, it is important to have discernment and to know when it is safe to do the work that she's talking about. Uh, and when that King arrives and when, uh, you know, we've healed our relationship to the masculine, to God, to money, and we're able to, uh, use that healthy discernment at the same time that we are not afraid of a man's power and we're able to surrender to it and trust it, uh, especially when we're with someone who we can trust their direction because we can feel their integrity. Oh man, it's, it's the best feeling. And so it's so interesting now to see her work and to feel so different. And I, what it, it wasn't, I didn't wait until I was with my current partner who I can trust. This was 
as soon as I went through my last uncoupling, I started to really heal things uh, that I didn't want to repeat in my relationship with the masculine. And, and I was diving deep into my money wounds and my religious trauma. So there's God and, and money there as well. But it was as soon as I started to really unfold in those areas of my life, I started to feel so differently about her work. And every time I'd see her post, I think there was a time that I unfollowed her and like followed her again. Um, because I hadn't worked through that. It was like rubbing up against me so much. And, and I, I made it about her instead of about me. And then I started to realize like, Oh, this is so beautiful. This is so beautiful. Our power is in union. It's, it's when we're afraid of each other that we're kept separate and there's the collapse, you know, not just in us, but in society. And so I'm so thankful that I, I feel such a difference in my body when I see her work. If you're feeling already a little bit like contracted or triggered, oh, I ask you and I like, I invite you to just continue to listen to this episode and just see what comes up for you. There will be some, some magic in here. And if it's not for you, chew up the meat, spit out the bones. That's, that's what I, that's what I always say. I don't even know where the heck I got that from, but, um, just stay on and, uh, I guarantee you that something, there will be some sort of invitation to soften. And if you're a man and you're listening, listen so that you can hear how to provide this for a woman, this type of safety. Um, yeah, this type of polarity, uh, this type of security and container in, in the relationship with the feminine. Uh, yeah. All right. Let's get her on. Our guest today is a polarity mentor and business coach that used to run the boss babe cycle until she was guided to have a body-led business by changing her relationship with God, money, and men. She now guides business leaders to grow, scale, and receive from a body-led business. She combines business strategies with somatic and embodiment practices rooted in healthy masculine and feminine dynamics to support them to increase their body's capacity to receive more clarity, cash flow, and intimacy in their relationships from a place of inner ease, spaciousness, pleasure, and resourcefulness. Please help me welcome Juliet Tang to Untamed and Unashamed. Hi. Hi, Jade. Thank you. It's so good to be here. Yeah, I was telling the, uh, the listeners that I've, I think the first time I messaged you about coming on may have been like six or seven months ago. It's been a long time coming. I've wanted to have you on for a while, so I'm really excited. Yeah, it's been a while. Life totally got in the way, but I feel yeah. those were probably initiation moments anyway. Yeah. And I also feel like this is probably the perfect timing to have this conversation in, in my life at least. So yeah. super. Yeah. So I'd love to hear your story about what led you to the woman that you are today, especially when it comes to your relationship with God and men. Absolutely. So, um, I was just having this conversation with one of the women that I've known for several years and we were both like, Oh my goodness, I'm so happy. I'm no longer in that space of like thinking about men as you know, they're all pigs. They only want one thing from you. There's all the good men are taken, which were some of the mantras that I was repeating so unconsciously um, that I, I didn't even know. And then obviously my dating life a long time ago, very much mirrored all of the disastrous stories that I was holding. So um, about four years ago, I was 
very unintentionally <laughs> initiated in this feminine descent in which prior mm-hmm. to that I was all about mindset, um, you know, conquering all the difficulties in life, pushing, hustling, success, um, more money, more impact, which is, you know, pretty much the Logan of the coaching field that I'm in. Mm-hmm. And um, yeah, so about four or five years ago, I started realizing that um, even though I am a woman, it felt like I was operating as a man in a woman's body. Mm -hmm. And every single thing that was set up in my business reflected back to me how much I was trying to control and manipulate and push for results. You know, instead of learning at the time, I didn't even know what it was like to be a woman, to just lay back, receive, Mm -hmm. to be in that playful, radiant expression of womanhood. So long story short, I, I, um, began, there was a spiraling journey that began when I was first, um, really instructed to hear, to heal my relationship with men and the masculine. So much came up at the time, um, how I have been interacting with my own partner, how in my business, I was always trying to be the very dominant, um, holding the dominant pole, wanting to control everything. And eventually that actually led to a beautiful, beautiful deep journey of really restoring my relationship with God. Prior to that, it was non-existent. Like if you told me, God, I would give you a whole spiel on like the universe, the source, the quantum field, this inanimate and personal um, energy bubble that's just there for you to, um, that's just there to grant your wishes and for you to manifest. So for the first time in my life, that was about two, three years ago, I began actually getting to know God, um, not just as the creator, but also as a person that I could be in communion with have a relationship, have a real relationship with, and just um, feel the containment and holding of having that beautiful, so grounding masculine presence in me, in my body, in all areas of my life. So um, my every area of my life actually pretty much went through a complete death and rebirth, like the whole entire paradigm collapsed, including my business. Um, I left my business for a while without ever wanting to go back at the time that was two years ago, burned it all to the ground. And little did I know a year later, God actually put into my heart and womb that I was actually to come back, but this time to truly anchor in, in my womanhood and teach women what it means to be a woman in their relationship and their business mm-hmm. and their relation also in their union with God and with the masculine. So in a nutshell, that's been the journey that I've been on and, um, yeah, it's never ending. Yeah. It's really beautiful. I was telling, um, I think I, I even said this when I posted one of your stories and you said you felt the same, but it's interesting because when I first came across your work, I was so triggered by it at first, like yours and Alison Armstrong's who I've also interviewed. So triggered by it at first, because it was like, it's not, that's not safe. That's not safe to do. We're making ourselves uh, vulnerable to be harmed by their power. And I'm the type of person and this is sometimes a great thing and sometimes not so much because it, it, I have to get really firm on, I have to really feel into what is my no. But I'm the type of person that when something really rubs up against me or when I get really triggered, I do go into, okay, what is it that's triggering me? Like, what is it that, and I'm so thankful that I did that with your work because it is ultimately like what started to, because uh, you were the first person I saw that posted stuff like that. 
And so it did start to get me to think like, why, like, oh man, like why, why I am so in resistant to men's power and to the, the thought of surrender and to being fully in my feminine, even though it sounded so juicy, there was this resistance there. And so mm-hmm. I'm so thankful for your work. Cause really, I mean, I think maybe it was about a year and a half ago. And I was also healing so much religious trauma at the time. And oh for me, goodness. that went hand in hand. Yeah. So I'm really, yeah. I'm really yeah. thankful that you share the way that you do. I'm curious why you feel that goes hand in hand, like our relationship with God and men. Yeah, the the beautiful parallel. So the first thing that I want to share is that the the resistance that you felt, I've I've felt the same level of resistance in my body just to even be able to, even after I've healed a lot of the layers, just to be able to go out there and share some of these words, I was hugely triggered, just just so activated by it. And there were so many times that I would actually erase what I wrote and I just basically wanted to hide. But, you know, at that time, my relationship with God was in such a place where I trusted that even if I got canceled or trolled on, you know, and, and judged, like I just trusted that was the path. And I trusted that these words needed to be said in this very, um, in this very intense shift. I feel like there is this feminine collective feminine awakening happening on the planet right now because the words that you just shared with me are the words that I keep hearing every single day. Um, it's um, so in my own experience, I have never one once thought about healing my religious trauma and healing my re- uh, relationship with God. That was just not on my radar at all. Um, when I began healing my relationship with men, it was interesting because for the first time, and just like you, when something feels very activating in my body, I, I sit through it. So I hold a part of me that feels very triggered, but at the same time, I also question, is there something that I need to face that I haven't been facing? Is there some discomfort that I need to sit through so that I can go deeper into this layer? So I actually sat with it. And the interesting thing that came up was that being able to surrender to masculine leadership, to his potency, to his presence, doesn't excuse us from throwing our discernment out of the window. Mm. which is in our history, there have been both men and women that have done hurtful things, right? To, to, to everyone. So the moment that I was able to actually differentiate between, you know, masculinity is not toxic. Masculinity is just masculinity, but it doesn't excuse men who were also hurt from doing hurtful things to themselves, to women, to their children it kind of started to create a lot of spaciousness in my body. And Mm -hmm. years later, I actually arrived in the same, in the same space in one moment when I started to look at just how much trauma religion, the institution of religion, the church empire has caused in our world, how much distortion, trauma, hurt, and just ongoing, um, I would say ongoing agendas that do deep, you know, that do disempower women, our femininity, our sexuality, right? All of these things. But I was able to actually sit there and differentiate the institution 
that's been twisting God's word or the image of God versus our creator, the loving father. So yeah. I feel for a lot of women, that's such a crucial thing for us to to just journey through in the very beginning that because that creates such a big barrier in how we want to restore our relationship with masculine with God. And I was also able to came upon the layer of, um, I personally was very much into new age spirituality. God is always this impersonal being. So Mm -hmm. as I was healing my relationship with men and the masculine, I started to also relate to the aspect of God. That is the father. That is the king. That is the highest masculine. And I started also, it was reflected back to me how much because of my hurt with men and masculine, I wanted to erase that aspect of God from my own being, from my own DNA, just so that I would find safety in a story that I wanted to project onto men and onto God, right? At the end of the day, you know, safety is not found in the story, in a projection, in how we want to present a performative version of who we are to the world. Safety is truly found in our bodies, in the heart, in the womb, in the yoni, in our Mm -hmm. identity of who, um, of our, you know, feminine design, and also in our relationship and faith and trust with men, masculine and God. So all of these pieces came together for me um, in this journey. And um, the deeper it is that I go into my relationship with men and the masculine, the deeper I feel God's heart is also being mirrored back to me, just because as the highest masculine, or at least there's an aspect of him, that's the highest masculine, um, he truly is the source of men, of masculine potency, of masculine principles in this world, you know, which is to say that every man, the good man that we meet, every masculine principle, like money, like structure, when it is in the right relationship with us, it's also a portal that allows us to access um, God's holding, his mm-hmm. presence his safety, his love for us. So there's just, it's, um, it's a very, very different paradigm in which prior to this, my paradigm was really very much based on separation. Like everything is separated. But once I went into union, um, starting from retemplating the union template in myself, I started to be able to see the relational, relational intimacy between all of these things. Yeah. And I think what scared me about it was that I was raised in a church where women couldn't make decisions for themselves. Um, I personally went to a church that wouldn't let me go to college unless my husband thought it was okay. And um, it was, it was a very, very dogmatic church. And I, I think that that's what was so scary for me as I was confusing healing my relationship with God into men to meaning I was going to have no voice, no power. And I realized that in healing my relationship to God and to men and to coming into right relationship and being able to worship them, it actually made me feel, it it was a different type of power. It wasn't the type of power. I feel like it it felt more like a foundation. Yeah, yeah, yeah. absolutely. When I want to bring it into business too. So you, when it comes to surrendering to God, 
without fear and allowing God to take charge of your business, which I know is so much of, of your work. And, and what you spoke of is like softening and descending into your femininity. What does that actually look like when you're a woman trying to run a business? Cause mm. I've been taught that to build a business, you really have to tap into that masculine. Yeah. Yeah. That's okay. That's the way that I operated for so many years and that's what I used to teach women. So I totally get where you're coming from. Um, so I feel the easiest way for me to explain it is to use an analogy of, let's say you are, um, you're in, in a relationship in a really beautiful, committed relationship with a man the deeper you get to know him, his character, his goodness, how much he will um, go out and show up in the world and sacrifice so that he can provide for you and be there for you. That's the type of relationship that I'm talking about. That is an invitation for us to deepen into with, with God, with Father, King, Beloved, right? These, um, you know, the, these aspects of God. So, I personally feel relationship is the foundation to a surrendered business, just because women are so, we are so intimate. We are so deeply relational. Our very beingness is actually built on relationship. We relate to our bodies. We relate to our desires. We relate to men. We relate to the world. So the way that whether it's conscious or unconscious, we actually treat everything in our lives, including our environment, which is an inanimate masculine um, principle, as if we are in some type of union or partnership with that masculine principle. That's, this is just how we're built. So it would be really difficult to even access a level of safety in order to feel safe enough to surrender our business to God's lead if we don't first build a relationship with God. And I'm not saying like this is a, in a very linear way. You need to perform X, Y, Z first, and then you get to surrender your relation, your business to, to God. For me, it actually, actually happened very much simultaneously as I was deepening into the holding of God, getting to know who he is as father, as king, as beloved, getting to know his character, learning what it's like to trust him outside of religious trauma, outside of all of the dogma and distortions that we have learned and been conditioned in about God that are available in this world. I started to truly get to know him um, not so much as this impersonal energy bubble that doesn't think, doesn't speak, doesn't have a will, but actually very much as a man. And the mm -hmm. moment that became alive in our relationship, when I started to deepen into my relationship with God as a man, then it became a living relationship that I'm able to, just like with my man, I talk to him daily, I deepen into his lead. I open myself up more and more to surrender to him. I allow him to contain me, hold me and lead me. Just like that type of relationship, the more it is that a woman truly trusts God, masculine and the life, the more she feels that she is actually held by the masculine and held by life, the more she's going to naturally ease into her organic radiance and her essence, which is that very innocent, playful, erotic, um, you know, kind of like re relaxed 
nature. Women are not born with the same hormones as men. So this is not to say a lot of us haven't been conditioned to operate from a very pushy, extractive paradigm that if you told me these things years ago, I'd be like, oh, you're crazy. I'm so good at pushing. I'm so good at hustling, right? So there is a journey of unlearning here. But I've been spending years exploring the feminine body and our feminine design. And I can say with absolute certainty that most women who are in their feminine core, um, we're actually not made just to look at our cycle, the 28 day cycle, right? Versus men's 24 hour cycle. We are actually not made to go out and plow and push and conquer. It will sooner or later be reflected in our health and in our feminine vitality. So Biologically, female, right, feminine beings are made to go through inner seasons. We're extremely cyclical. Throughout the month in our cycle, we actually go through a continuous death and rebirth process. Our cervix opens and closes and opens and closes. Um, There is regeneration going on in our body that a lot of us don't pay attention to. Our wombs are made to carry new life inside for nine months straight where mama is at the same time in this space of deep nourishment of herself, of her new baby and being nourished by life. So when you look at the feminine physiology, we are very much made to receive, to surrender, to birth, to go through the cyclical seasons of death and rebirth. And none of these things, this is something that I say all the time, feminine physiology has been missing in the entrepreneurial space. You know, years ago, everything was about mindset, hustle, work as hard as you can, sleep less, push harder. Um, Then I feel like, especially right now, there is a wave of let's incorporate the body, the the somatics, the nervous system regulation and expansion work when it comes to money, when it comes to success. Yet our true physiology, the face of our woman, which is the womb, the cervix, the ovaries, the, um, the yoni, the yoni lips, that are holding on to so many lineage stories, that part of our feminine physiology is still missing in this entire, even in the somatic space. And I feel there is such a hunger in so many of us to actually start to embrace the true face of our woman, which is root, it's in our root. Um, so yeah, so for a woman to, and I went off on a tangent, well, for a woman to surrender to feel safe enough to surrender her business to God in a very continuous process of surrender. She is invited to relearn what it's like to surrender into her body, into her feminine nature, into the dark void that's in her womb, and into her relational intimacy with with God, with the masculine. I feel like that would be the foundation to a thriving feminine business that is also in resonance with who we are. 
I'm so excited to tell you about Paleo Valley beef sticks, which are one of the healthiest snacks on the market. I tend to not like beef jerky type snacks because they're usually so dry, but these are so juicy and full of flavor. I've been upping my protein for my overall health and physique, so I have zero guilt snacking on these. And because it's a protein snack, I feel fuller in between meals. They are also a great environmental snack choice because they're 100% grass-fed and finished, sourced from small domestic farms that contribute to regenerative agriculture. I feel good doing my part to put an end to inhumane factory farms that negatively impact the environment by the food I choose to purchase. Also, almost every meat snack on the market is made with a processing agent called encapsulated citric acid in order to have a long shelf life, but ECA can cause a ton of health issues. Paleo Valley Beef Sticks uses fermentation instead to give the beef sticks a long shelf life without harmful acids and chemicals, and fermentation is great for gut health. They're also only flavored with organic spices. I'm telling you guys, when you unwrap these, it's like literally juice comes out of the wrapper. That's how juicy and just flavorful these things are. You'll love them. Head over to paleovalley.com forward slash jade for 15% off your first order. That's P-A-L-E-O. V-A-L-L-E-Y dot com forward slash Jade. Paleovalley.com forward slash Jade for 15% off your first order. Now on with the show. That that really confirms a lot for me because I wasn't quite sure what that looked like when it came to uh doing the type of work that we do where you you really gotta like take time to create and to market and all of that. That feels like there's times in my cycle where I just it's not there. And so Mm -hmm. that really confirms for me, like, okay, an ovulation is when I'm really into it, you know? And, and then, and I know that there are women listening who probably don't do the type of work we do and they work a nine to five where they don't really have that option. Yeah. Um, So I guess the encouragement there is to feel into how you can still honor your body in in those ways. Then I'm curious when it comes to um, keeping on the topic of business a little bit, when it comes to our relationship with money, um, Mm. because you talked about, you know, uh, healing our relationship to God and to the masculine. And when it comes to healing our relationship to money, you talk about money as a lover. Mm. And what really resonated for me is I noticed like, man, last year and the year before I made so much money. And then this year I have not made very much at all. And I started to kind of get, I did cut away a lot of work that I felt like was not in alignment to sacred union and to, um, what I really want to embody in the world. And so that's the main reason that a lot of the money, um, shifted there, but still there was this uh, thought of like, well, I'm honoring sacred union and I'm honoring my sacred yes and my sacred no. So it'll just come from, because ultimately money is coming from God. It's just what channel it wants to come through. So I was like, it'll just show up in a different way. And then it hasn't. Mm -hmm. And I started to have this, um, this energy towards money of like, almost treating it like what I have is not enough. And I can imagine Mm -hmm. if we were treating our partner like that, how hurtful that would feel. And so I would love to hear you speak on our relationship to money as a lover and maybe how to relate to it from that, from a somatic standpoint. 
Yeah, absolutely. This is actually the story that you just shared with me. It's something that I've also been through. And it's also something that I, I'm going to say, like, just pretty much every client that I'm working with right now is going through this. Like, oh, Juliet, wow. I feel like I've I've already deepened into union. I'm healing my relationship with, with father, with, you know, with the king, like with the lover. Where is the money? So here's <laughs> the interesting thing, which is um, this renegotiation phase that we go through with the masculine usually is that integration phase that we mm. we need in order to step into a different type of embodiment. And there's no one who can tell us how long this integration is just because every single woman is so different. Um, mm-hmm. I'm going to share the fact that with money, it's, um, and again, like we have been conditioned to relate to money from a very linear linear timeline, very, very linear paradigm, which is, well, if money is not coming in, then that means something is bad. I'm doing something wrong, not doing enough, not putting enough hours, or I have a bad relationship with money. When money is coming in, it's all good. There's safety, there's joy, there's excitement. That means I'm in a good relationship with money. And every single month, I'm supposed to be exceeding the previous month's income. And with all of the all of the very dogmatic marketing and the coaching field of like, well, you know, having a six figure launch in three months or getting to seven yeah. figures because your mentors did that. And their mentors went, went into eight figures doing, you know, working three hours a day. I mean, there is a tremendous amount of conditioning mm-hmm. that we allow ourselves to receive actually until we do this work that we, we receive and all of that is actually energetic penetration that is setting the standard and container of how our women want to show up. So it doesn't like, it doesn't surprise me. And I was one of them that so many women feel we are always in this rush of needing to make more money. And if God forbid, there's a few months where our cash flow is low, we start to question the relationship. So I'm going to say from a somatic standpoint, um, money is highly multidimensional, just like our feminine beingness. That is so, so, so nonlinear. Money, even though it is a masculine energy, the way that we relate to money actually is very nonlinear. There are so many factors that play into our relational intimacy with money. Um, Our wealth identity is definitely one of them. Um, Our attachment style is another. Our feminine receptivity, Mm -hmm. our holding capacity, which does boil down to a lot of the nervous system expansion work, but also a lot of the yoni and womb work. Um, Mm -hmm. That's a huge factor. Just because a lot of the times our mind believes that we can hold a certain amount, but our bodies actually can't. And, mm-hmm. you know, and it's not a bad thing, but there is an invitation there. So I want to go a little bit into our attachment style. So mm-hmm. previously, the way that I related to money was very much on the, on the li- linear, from a linear paradigm, from more of an anxious, avoidant paradigm, which Mm. a lot of women, women, again, this is super common for women. And, you know, we tend to think the avoidant anxious attachment style is just like not making any money or um, just not wanting to spend any money, which was totally, totally not my experience. I actually spent so much. A lot of the times I spent more than I made. And Mm. I actually was able to bring in large amounts of cash flow. However, I often spent in an effort to self-regulate. So Mm -hmm. instead of finding 
the safety and anchor in my body, I used money to regulate me. Mm-hmm. And I often spent in complete detachment and disconnect from money. I would buy something and it would be the price tag would be $500, $1,000, sometimes like 17, 17 grand once I spent on a, um, on a mentor that I didn't even really want to be in that container. I kind of spent out of the fear of if I don't get in there, I'm going to miss out. So mm-hmm. the way that I used to spend money was completely disconnected from my body because of my attachment style. So over the years, as I started healing my relationship with the masculine, with God, which actually came way before healing my relationship with money, I started to shift into more of that secure, safe paradigm in how I relate to the masculine, which also includes money. So it's not about, and and obviously all of us want to make more money. All of us want our income to double and triple, which is I'm going to say it's a happy side effect of doing this work. But when we're in this transitional phase of shifting paradigms, it's not so much about looking at that number and saying to ourselves, just because this month I only made 5K instead of 50K, that my relationship with the masculine is not good, right? Mm-hmm. It's no, We're no longer measuring the intimacy and the security and the safety we feel with money, with the masculine in the external. When we're truly held from the inside out, the the external does shift. But what shifts first is actually the quality of the choices that we make, the quality of the thoughts that we generate and the quality of the actions that we take. So these days, if I am investing 7K in a container, I am actually investing from true desire, from a level of self-holding, from genuine connection with money and feeling what it's like to spend that amount of money and leaning into my pleasure edge as, as opposed to, oh, if I don't invest in this, I'm going to miss out. And therefore I'm just going to spend this money, not look at it, pay very quickly and be completely disconnected from my body. So Mm -hmm. a lot of the times, especially for women who are in this more transitional, um, in this more like transition in this integration phase, it's not so much that the external will start mirroring back to you the results right away. Although I have seen it, it's more that you feel you are taking even though sometimes you're still taking the same action, you're still investing, you're still spending, you're still receiving. It is no longer coming from fear, from insecurity, from disconnect. It is coming from, this is my receiving edge and I'm here to claim it. This is the pleasure. It gives me pleasure to be buying myself this $300 dress or $200 purse. It gives me pleasure to actually just sit in the space of, Allowing my business to go through a rebirth without feeling like I need to rush into hustling for more money to come up. So whether money is coming in or it's not coming in, regardless of the amount that it's coming in, regardless of the amount that I'm spending, I am actually sitting in the space of safety, in ease, in pleasure, in peace. And I feel like this is something that so many women are invited to step into before you actually see how your external reality will start to mirror back, you know, to you, the safety that you're feeling. But the integration phase is there is so much gold in this integration phase that cannot be skipped over. 
And over and over, we will start to notice how our bodies are responding very, very differently to money, to every decision that, you know, that we make with money. And um, yeah, so I'm truly feeling that you're in this space, um, you know, of huge paradigm shift. And um, yeah. It's it's it being in partnership really doesn't mean that it's always rosy, right? If you're married to a man, it's not like you're never gonna fight. You're gonna agree on everything. Everything he's always gonna be there. It's it's just more like even during the days when your marriage is you know not rosy, when you're having fights, when you're going to bed angry, you still feel the holding of that covenant with this man. You still feel that you can fully trust to let yourself be the woman that you are in this commitment, this committed union. And it's always the same with money and with every masculine principle. Yeah, I love that. And I think for me, uh, that feels completely accurate. I feel like I'm in a transition phase where like, yeah, it wouldn't really make sense to jump from one to the other because there wouldn't be space where I'd have to learn the trust. Uh, For me, I, I, I do maintain a home. And uh, I have two children and I provide Montessori and athletics. And uh, it, I guess for me, that trust that you're talking about, it's like all the more needed because it involves two little, two little ones in my care. And I think that that you, you talk a lot about how money is a mirror and an amplifier. And I think that that makes it even more my relationship to money feels even more of a mirror and an amplifier because of it. Like there's times where I'm like, Oh wow. I, my expenses are just expenses, not shopping, but like expenses uh, to maintain a family and a household are thousands more than what I'm bringing in this month. And there's that feeling of like, (gasps) and like even a temptation to like go back to my old work, even though I know that it's not aligned. And it is, it's this dropping in the trust of just knowing, um, like you said, a relationship, you know, you go through seasons and there's ebbs and flows. Yeah. And so it, it really is, it's a practice of trust and, and it does feel like a transitionary period. I'm very curious uh, where we will end up because every year I get a, a word for what I'm going to heal that year. And a couple of years ago, it was sexuality. The year after it was my religious trauma and it had to come in that order because I had to heal my sexuality and then I had to be able to see it as holy. And mm-hmm. this year the word was uh, provision. And so, oh. now, you know, I'm, yeah, so I'm speaking this to you and I'm still on the, you know, we're in September, we're in the, the midst of it. So I'm yeah. looking forward to watching it unfold. Oh, beautiful. Provision is never linear. It, it is so, so, so multidimensional. Um, and sometimes personally in my life, I've waited. There's this move that we're fi- that's finally happening. I've waited six years for that provision to yeah. for the actual move to occur. Mm-hmm. But throughout the six years, it's been a journey of receiving provision, just always yeah. receiving data and feedback from life as to where I am not yet deeply yielding into. And Mm. I feel this is why I always say money is an amplifier because the way that union is made is that we each as a partner mirror back to the other partner where they are invited to go deeper into. So for us, it's always the masculine. How we relate to the masculine speaks Mm. volumes on the places in us that we're holding in shame the places in us that we're hiding, the places in us where we are not truly honoring our woman's pace, 
which is really big for me and a lot of women in the entrepreneurial space. We get so carried away with needing to create big results that we are not honoring our pace. And our mm-hmm. pace is actually deeply in our roots, um, you know, in the yoni lips, in the um, clitoral tissues. So mm-hmm. that's why everything does come down to the body. This is true embodiment. So every single relationship with the masculine is always, it's always an invitation, not so much from the standpoint of like, oh, what is wrong with you? What do you need to fix? But is there a, is there an opening for us to reclaim more of our full range, not just mm-hmm. the good, but also the grief, the rage, the disappointment, the shame, all of these emotions that are hiding inside of our bodies, inside of our roots, probably have never seen the light of the day because they're also ancestral stories and whispers and prayers. So for me, I needed to go through a super deep, soul crushing, dark night of the soul type of process and a pilgrimage actually into my woman, into all of these parts in my roots and excavate the stories, the whispers, the patterns, the ancestral, you know, a a lot of the stuff that's been, that my body is holding on from my mother, from my grandmother. And that has tremendously increased my capacity to receive and hold because I'm no longer in resistance to myself, to all the things that I'm holding that I was too afraid and too uncomfortable to look at. And I could not have gone through this journey had life, God, my man, and also my money has not been consistently reflecting back to me just exactly what I don't want to look at. So in that sense, It is an amplifier. He is always the amplifier. And there is provision in each circumstance. Some of my worst moments came from just utter despair and going on my knees and saying like, God, why have you, why have you forgotten about me? You know, why is it taking so long for this thing to, to, um, to occur? And what was reflected back to me was how uncomfortable I was in the space, in this in-between space. I was neither here nor there. The old crumbled, the old, the new wasn't built. I wasn't fully in and I wasn't out. Mm. And just recently, one of my mentors reflected back to me, well, if your essence is union and you're here to retemplate union, the in-between space is actually the glue. It unites these two polarities Mm. and solidifies union. And I was just like, oh my God, I was bawling my eyes out. So there's always that in-between space when we truly want to unite two polarities. And I find right now, so many women are actually in this in-between space. It is a really tough and vulnerable space to be, but Mm. there's also so, so, so much medicine in there. Yeah. Ugh. It makes sense that so many women are in it because like you said, there's this like new uprising that's happening where we are up leveling. And so it makes, yeah, it makes sense that we're all in it at the mm-hmm. same time. I, I would love to dive deeper into union with you. Um, maybe first, before we get into the beauties of union and how to be in, um, in that union, um, I'd love to hear you talk about how maybe there are some dangers of the new age movement when it comes to like Uh, warfare on that sacred union? Yeah. Um, Yeah, this is such a huge and deep question. So I would say like I I was very much in in the new age paradigm. Um, One of the biggest, there are so many facets. One of the biggest things that, that 
truly shifted me that that was like such a revelation to me was that when I was in new age, I was not in my relational intimacy. Um, so there were phases in which I believed I was God well, during my medicine days, especially plant medicine days. It was like, I'm God, you're God, everybody's God, right? Like I was very much in that space. And then there were times that I was just in this phase of like the universe is here to grant all of my wishes. And it's just like a genie in a bottle, right? I speak the magic word, which is my affirmation and everything's going to be delivered to me. Um, you know, at the time, it felt, I felt glorious. I felt like everything was great. I was always positive. I was always like, like ascending. Um, looking back, I'm like, where is the relationship? There is no relationship. So think about, I taught the very first program that I taught on union was in 2019 called healing your relationship with the masculine. And at the time, I remember that program was sold out and like, I didn't even, I couldn't even do an official launch it was sold out in three days. Wow. Um, that one of the first lessons I said to the ladies was um, imagine that you you are a woman and you want marriage. You deeply crave to meet a godly man that you, you're in love with, that you can enter into sacred union with. Imagine that the man never shows up, but you are just in relationship with the idea of love or a picture of the man, but you never get to see this man, smell him, touch him, you know, make love to him. How would you feel? And everybody said, oh my God, like, that's not cool. And I was like, that was what new age felt like to me. By saying, I am God, I am the universe, I am everything. I actually robbed myself of being able to be in union with all of these things, right? There were also times that I could not differentiate masculine, feminine in myself. So I was trying to be the masculine. And I said to these ladies, do you want to have a relationship with him or do you want to be him, right? You can only choose one. Being mm -hmm. him means he, he cannot exist in your life. There is no relationship. You're just gonna be a one woman show versus if you truly want to enter into union with a man, with a masculine, you actually need to hold the opposite pole, which, which is the feminine pole so that he can be exalted as the masculine and you're descended as the feminine. And that creates differentiation and inner spaciousness, right? For mm -hmm. us to descend and for him to rise. So- mm -hmm. For me, the new age movement and as beautiful and glorious and magnificent as so many teachings can, you know, can look and feel on the surface, truly at the end of the day, it's robbing us our deep yearning to be in true relationship with the masculine, mm -hmm. just because in new age, everything is the same. There is relationally Everything is one in essence versus in sacred union paradigm. We are in relational intimacy, yet we do not hold the same essence. I am core feminine and he is core masculine. Mm -hmm. We are complementary opposites who come into the space to, um, to, you know, to be with one another and to love one another and to have access. We, when we're no longer in that masculine seat, we can actually access his level of leadership, potency, presence, and penetration. And likewise, when we are in our feminine core, in this eternal space of yielding, softening, and opening up, we can, he can access a level of surrender 
and radiance in us that is not available to him in his masculine biology. So I feel warfare, new age movement, church empire, all of these things are pretty much under the same agenda of just depolarizing um, Mm. our world population and taking us out of our very nature, which is yearning to be in relationship with ourselves with God, with, with men, with the masculine. That's, that's truthfully, if I were to, and there's so many different facets to, um, to spiritual warfare, you know, just even like in a medical industry, the procedures that women endure are truly barbaric, not even going to go into the birth procedure that truly harms mama and baby. And also even something that seemingly as harmless as pap smear, right? Like taking a little child out of our cervix and, and the leap procedure and the DNC procedure, all of the things that my GYN used to force on me when I was younger. Um, you know, our cervix is the heart of our womb. So what would it be like to continue to put a knife to our heart and, and sever, you know, parts of her, right? So when you think about it, every single institution in our world is serving this one depolarization agenda, which is why I feel more and more women are awakening to our relational nature, to this deep yearning that's embedded in our hearts and wombs that we are not here to be God. We're not here to be the man or the masculine, we're here to receive him and be in a relationship with him. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I do know a lot of people in the ceremonial space that have come out feeling like um, they are the savior or uh, like not even just God, but like the actual savior or they are going to birth the savior or, you know, whatever it is. Um, and I do think that in ceremonial space, things are not to be taken literal. They're meant to be metaphorical. Yeah. Uh, just like our dreams. And, um, I've had many people come out of the ceremonial space and say that the medicine said I was their soulmate. And my first question is, what do I represent to you? Because that's what your soul is asking you to come into union with. Mm-hmm. It's not me, I promise. <laughs> oh, that's so interesting. That is so interesting. Yeah. And you know, I, I've studied Tantra, classical Tantra, left-handed Tantra, but classical Tantra for so long. And the teaching is that all is one. Mm-hmm. The way I see it is kind of like what you're speaking of is like, I picture the flower of life and like we're each one of those circles and that like it all becomes one by how we are together, how we come, come together, I suppose. Mm-hmm. And, um, I think what I'm trying to lean into is like, you know, I was brought up in that dogmatic religious structure of God is outside of you. Yeah. And, uh, he can abandon you because of that. And so there's this like balance that I'm coming into of like, God is within. And it's like, um, I can access that at all times. And my desires come from that, like mm-hmm. that with God. And it's like this, like, I can see everyone's divinity. I can see, I can like see everyone. Um, I can see the God in everyone. It feels like when I, what I was brought up in and then what I'm ex- what I experienced in studying Tantra and then what I'm feeling now in my body, it's like all kind of coming together mm. and I'm working out the kinks and feeling into like mm, where I'm like you said, it's not separate and it's not like mm-hmm. outside, but it's not like I am, you know, the, mm-hmm. like what you were speaking of. Yeah. 
So I'm learning, I'm unfolding. Oh, it's such a journey. It, it, it's ongoing. Like every time when I think like, oh, I'm done. I know everything. I got to the bottom of it. I'm like, okay, no way, no way. Yeah. So I'm curious when it comes to that union, um, when it comes to being in our feminine in a way that can just be led by the masculine, how do we balance that with, um, and maybe we don't, I'm curious, uh, you know, there's so much talk about inner union and our inner masculine, uh, that holds our feminine. Like there's that inner union that we, we, um, can access so that we're not so dependent on our partner to fulfill that role for us in a way that feels like an expectation or pressure. This is something I'm currently navigating because I finally came into a relationship with a man who is such a healthy masculine and feels like the answer to all of my prayers. And at first I was just like, oh, my feminine can surrender. I have my masculine and, you know, my masculine pillar. And then I realized like, oh, I still need to be like what it felt like. And I'm curious, your thoughts is that like, I couldn't project all of those masculine needs onto him. I needed to Mm -hmm. develop, I needed to still have my own inner masculine that like provided uh, for my feminine Mm -hmm. so that my relationship with him was even healthier. Yeah, I totally hear you. I've been through that myself. Um, I feel there, there are so many different like milestones and anchor points on this journey and it's it's truly a continuous spiraling journey because I do come to the same spot but I'm invited to deepen so I feel um for for the ladies who are more in 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 a part of the journey where we're like oh I'm finally it's no longer triggering me to say like I want to lean on the masculine right like this whole I'm an independent empowered strong woman talk like I can finally give it a little bit of a rest um Mm -hmm. and then I can lean on him um a lot of times what I have seen is that we actually do lean in the other direction a lot just so that our system even recalibrates to a level of feminine chaos and surrender that we have never experienced before. And so many women, especially those with religious trauma, with father wounds, which again are very much intertwined. So many of women, myself included, have um, grown up in such a way that I was taught I needed to be strong, independent, resourceful, don't ever depend on anyone. My mom's favorite mantra, can't rely on a man, can't rely on anyone. You better depend on yourself, right? So our nervous system and our system, our entire feminine system probably has never once even experienced the frequency of just like, I can relax and just lean back because we were always pushing and hustling from a place of, I need to create the safety in myself. So it's actually, at least from my standpoint, I feel it is somatically healthy for ladies to go into that extreme first and say, I I need to calibrate to a level of chaos and surrender that I have never experienced before. And in a business, a lot of the women that I've worked with, it's like they would just take a whole year off and have no plan, no structure, no idea where money is coming from. They just need it to rest. Like they need that. Eventually, sooner or later, we are, we are um, brought back into the place of integration. And that integration is when we're truly calibrating our holding capacity. So um, along this journey, I would say like, for me at least, the wounded maiden energetic, 
Jadex came up upon. The wounded maiden of daddy didn't take care of me fully. And mm-hmm. God has been, you know, like God has been judging me my whole life, or at least so I was told God was judging me and he wanted to punish me. So, um, surrender to the wounded maiden means that I need to just lay down and do nothing. Right. We we're actually waiting surrender with passivity, Mm -hmm. which is not the same thing. The Mm -hmm. way that I view surrender, which is a very, very somatic embodiment is that we are in an active embodied surrender of yielding and attunement being always on a moment to moment basis, attuned to the will and the word of God. Surrender does not mean that we do nothing and lay down and wait for everything to be done for us, right? That is the wounded princess. And that aspect, Mm -hmm. that shadow of us is actually very much, again, held in the yoni and the yoni lips. So, Um, when I was working through that, I had some of my own wounded maiden energetics came up and it was very interesting to me to start looking at how much I wanted to completely shift responsibility and ask God and the masculine and my man to just take care of me. And I needed to embrace that little girl in me that didn't feel safe, that didn't feel like she was loved enough by daddy. And I needed to say to her through a reparenting process, it's okay, Juliet, I am here for you, right? Because we are all at the same time. We are the daughter. We are the lover. We are the mother. We are the wise woman. So at at all these times, all, all of these parts of us are kind of like paying attention to different things. So it's just about anchoring into the parts of us that feel safe, that can actually reparent those wounded maiden energetics inside of us. Mm-hmm. At the end of the day, surrender. Um, and if I were to give the analogy of a marriage, let's say um, a woman is in this beautiful marriage committed marriage, loving with her husband. So it's not so much that the husband is doing everything and she's doing nothing. Rather, she is in her feminine pole, yielded, softened and opened to her husband so that when he moves her, when he leads her, when he says, you know, babe, I feel it's time for us to move to South Florida because um, Northeast is hard, too, too hard on your, you know, on your health and we're not happy here. She says, yes, I am here to follow you. I am here to co-create this with you. And she allows herself to be moved by his lead. As women, we often confuse a masculine function, which is something we get to perform. We can decide, we can make choice, we can um, take action, right? That's a masculine function. When, When a woman performs a masculine function, it doesn't swing us into the masculine essence. We're still core feminine. So when the husband says, you know, babe, let's move to Florida and you start to say, well, you know what? Let me call the moving company. Let me start packing. You're still in your feminine essence. You didn't just turn into your husband. You're still the woman. You're still the receiving feminine, but you are being moved by the masculine. You're able to perform masculine functions with while still being anchored in your feminine essence. I feel like that's usually the biggest confusion for women. They believe that the moment they do 
something, they turn into a man. But that's actually not true. And something like uh, I just recently taught a course in the very first lesson, I said, think about throughout the nine months of a woman's pregnancy, the egg is in a very actively surrendered state, but the egg is very active. She's being moved, right? She moves to attach herself to the lining of the womb. She goes through a metamorphosis develops cells and tissues and turns into a human inside of the womb. The egg is not just laying there dead, like, hey, I'm not going to do anything. Just let the sperm do everything. But at the same time, she is also not turning into a sperm. Mm -hmm. She is being moved by the masculine in co-creation to fulfill her full potential, which is to become the human that is within her DNA. And it's the same for women. We never turn into masculine. We are moved by the masculine. Beautiful. And I love how you brought up the uh, wounded maiden and the wounded uh, princess, because a lot of times it does feel like, um, you know, we've been liberated. We're in our worthiness and, and like we're, we're coming from that place and there's still that wounded um, made in our wounded princess that can come up and, uh, and be demanding. And I, I, it makes me curious, like the question I was going to end with around union was about, uh, I really wanted to hear your thoughts around the masculine being the provider, because in today's world, there is a lot of that wounded princess energy and it's hard for that, um, the role of the provider to be on a man's shoulder shoulders yeah. in, in our world today that costs so much in our, like yeah. just everything that's going on. Uh, so if that's something that the masculine struggles with or feels pressure around, I'm curious, I'm just, I'm curious your thoughts on him as the provider firstly, and also just mm-hmm. if the woman desires that, how can she inspire it without creating more pressure or coming from that wounded princess? Yeah. Um, of course. To just say really quickly, uh, for me, biologically, it feels juicy in my body. The thought of like the man being the provider and the woman being like, it just the husband's courtesan basically. And then like the mother and, but, but, um, or, and I never want either role, the masculine or the feminine to come from a place of ego or to cause friction. I always want to feel like a team and I'm always going to want to desire to work I do know that my wound with the masculine is provision because my father um, it, it was in and out of jail and he came out of jail when I was around 12, said he was going to provide this new life for me. He'd given his life to God. Mm-hmm. And then two weeks later, he was back in jail. And it was yeah. like, I, I remember, I remember that moment being what you spoke of. Uh, I will never depend on a man again. And so there's this, this beautiful opening of actually desiring that from a man, from a healthy man. <laughs> And not wanting to put that pressure on a man. Um, yeah. Curious all your thoughts on all that. Yeah. Oh my goodness. So much refinement coming from you of desiring and being in approval of that desire. And at the same time, not wanting to come from ego and entitlement, which mm-hmm. is feminine shadow. Um, yeah. So much refinement. It takes that in itself to come into this type of refinement is a journey on its own for the feminine being. Yeah. So I'm going to say that. 
being a provider, and again, this is this is something that I've noticed where, and it's it's pretty much all over Instagram, where uh, everybody wants a provider man, right? We we again are relating to the masculine from a very linear, almost mm-hmm. performative space. Like, oh, here's a list that I want to check off of to make sure that this man provides. So there's financial, there's that, there's this, he needs to have a house, he needs to have a car. But at the end of the day, like we are not linear. It is never performative. Provision starts as a consciousness that is embodied in the masculine. It's it's so much of consciousness that uh, what I have seen in the different couples that I know, and they're very happy, loving couples, is that the actual arrangements actually look very different. So mm-hmm. one of my dear friends, she's still working part-time. She's a, um, a homemaker, wife, mother. She still works part-time. She supplements the income. And then throughout, um, you know, like she works three, four hours a day. And then she also does a lot of homeschooling. They are extremely happy. The man is the provider of the family because he owns that embodiment of Mm -hmm. the provider consciousness. I've also know, uh, I know another couple where the woman doesn't work at all and the man provides everything and it actually works for them because they are, this is just an arrangement that makes both of them feel more exalted in who they are in the masculine and the feminine. Um, There's another couple that I know in which the woman actually, it's part-time, she works part-time, but it's actually, uh, she works more hours throughout the day than just three, four hours. She is still in her full receptivity because Mm -hmm. she is not pushing. She is not hustling. She is in that polarized relationship with God, with the masculine internally first, before she sets that tone in that relationship with her husband. So it's not so much about focusing on outwardly what that will look like, because I truly believe that as the feminine sets the tone in a relationship, these dynamics will fall into place, but in each relationship, it's going to look very, very different. At the end of the day, it is really about like, the only thing that I can do as a woman is to descend more into my own womanhood, is to come be that safe space for my man to be who he is without always wanting to criticize him, judge him, tell him that he's not enough. I am here to encourage him without wanting to control him, mother him, tell him what to do. When a woman is in her biologically feminine role and in the energetics of you are my king and I am your queen and I am your beloved, from what I have seen over and over, a good man wants to rise. A good man wants to step up. He wants to make the woman happy. And, um, and just, just like a little example recently when, you know, after six years of wanting to move to the tropics, we are finally doing it. And just like this morning, Paul was like, Oh my God, I just want to love you. I just want to provide for you. I want to cherish you and just take care of you. I'm like, babe, you've already been doing these things (laughs) in the last 10 years. He's like, no, I don't feel it's enough. I know you've been very unhappy in the Northeast and I want to be more for you. And I truly did not do anything. All I have been doing is just being the woman that I am. So this is something that I have seen again and again. We actually awakened the king in him 
when we step into the rightful relationship internally with our womanhood, with our desires, with our body, with our hearts, yonis, de-armored, um, with our vulnerability, surrender, and just with the masculine, which is why I, um, you know, I always say to every woman, like that internal relationship with God, with the masculine, to be able to polarize and be attuned to God from the inside out and to be moved into action, into your words, into whatever it is that you choose to do. That is the true foundation to every single thing that we've shared um, on this podcast. Just because if we don't have that inner anchor and safety, it would be really hard for us to (laughs) not judge our man to like, to fully trust that he's got it. For me, this entire move has been a pilgrimage, like a rite of passage, just because years ago I was that controlling, judgmental, like, hey, why are we still here? And like, why are you not making it happen? Why aren't we working harder? And mm. that was the woman that I used to be. Um, the new reality and the new capacity to receive and hold a different type of masculine penetration happens when we're a different woman. And this is something we get to tap into in our body and in our relational nature with the masculine. Yeah. Beautiful. Oh, that all resonates. It feels so good. Yeah. So I would love to just hear, I've never heard of this, what Christ cosmology is and what it teaches us. Yeah, I would say that um, this is something, you know, I started building a relationship with Christ around 2020, 2021, when I started to, um, when all of the distortions in a new age world and also in a church community became unveiled in front of my eyes. Mm-hmm. And um, um, I feel what would be relevant to share is that we always think about at least the way that I used to view God or the universe as always a singular consciousness, right? Mm-hmm. It is an it or whatever energy. Um, as I started building a relationship with Christ, I started to come into viewing God as a triune being, which is Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And again, through the orientation of rel- uh, relationship, not religion. I've actually mm-hmm. never been to church my whole life. Oh, you know, wow. I do know about religious trauma, dogma. I'm very, very familiar with it because a lot of the women I work with were, you know, they grew up in that very hurtful church church setting. So mm-hmm. when I am relating to God as, you know, as the highest masculine, as father, as beloved king, and as the Holy Spirit, I actually start to activate all of these innate primal archetypes in me, which for a woman, we are the daughter, we are the lover, we are the vessel, right? So when I started building that relationship, that was when I was simultaneously also coming into my own relational nature, that I get to relate to the masculine from from this multidimensional now, multidimensionality of I get to be the cherished daughter that is just here to, you know, just like put my arms around Papa and just receive that provision. At mm. the same time, there's also this wild, erotic nature of me being the lover, being the queen, being the beloved to my man, right? To Christ. And at the same time, I'm also a disciple. I am a I am a vessel. I am a wise woman because I can attune to the guidance of the Holy Spirit. Mm-hmm. And that um even just seeing God as an inner community of three 
members within the Godhead that are in eternal love, loving relationship with one another, redefines what love means to me, redefines what relationship means to me. And it, and it gave depth to my embodiment of inner union, which is not very one dimensional, but I get to be all of these all at once. And I get to relate to the masculine as the daughter, as the lover, you know, as the queen and as all of these things. So for me, it's that relationship that has actually helped me deepen into and heal a lot of the wounds that I carried in my relationship with men. Yeah. Oh, it's so interesting because 2020 was the year for me as well that I started to uh, just put down all the walls that I had due to the church towards Christ. And it's, it was, it was a feeling of being the daughter of the most high and the bride. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And, and the queen. And it, it's always been hard for me to articulate that. Like how, how can it be all of them? But it is, it's multidimensional and it's, yeah. uh, I really do feel like he's my true beloved. So yeah. And I, I feel so strongly after that, that I I've been feeling is that the, the, a woman was built. Um, even if you just go back to Genesis, right. Whether you view it as true history or it's symbolic, the woman was built from the rib of a man. Think about that level of intimacy that she was not built to control him, to mother him, but actually from within him, she is hidden in the masculine and imagine the birth of the, the creation of Eve when she was was made this splendid, beautiful being in the Garden of Eden. You have the Father, you have the Son, you have the Holy Spirit, and you have her earthly husband, Adam. My goodness, this woman is cherished. She mm-hmm. is just in the glory of the highest masculine all around her. And I truly believe God's original intention for the feminine is to be always held and cherished within, with all of these beautiful, beloved masculine presence around us. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you so much. I know, um, I know we're a bit over the time, so I want to thank you for taking so much time, uh, to share all of this. This is, it, uh, it feels so beneficial. And, um, I, I end the show with three lightning round questions they are real quick. The first one is if you could hug your younger self right now, what would you say? Ooh, I would say that your greatest purpose is to be a woman. Yeah, because at the time I was like, I'm the empress, I'm the goddess, I'm the, you know, all of these things. Like your greatest purpose is to be a woman. Yeah. And she's all things, it feels like. (laughs) All these things. Yeah. If you could have the whole world read one book, which would it be? This is going to be a very unorthodox and possibly activating. The Bible changed my life, but I do mm-hmm. not read the Bible through the orientation of dogmatic, legalistic religion, um, just because it's been so distorted and misinterpreted outside of its original historical context. Yeah. I, I received the word of God as a portal for me to sit in deep communion with him and for me to just receive his love and presence. Mm-hmm. And I've read so, so, so many personal development books. But when I began to, after doing a lot of the work around religious trauma, um, when I first picked up the Bible and read the book of John in 2020, I was like, oh, in the beginning was the word and the word was with God and the word was God. I was just blown away. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So I would say the Bible, but even just the act of um, being willing to read it outside of religion would be a healing journey on its own. 
Thank you for saying that. It's very refreshing to hear. If you could whisper one phrase to everyone on the planet, what would it be? Remember. Mm. Yeah, it's a remembrance process in the body. Yeah. All right. How can people connect with you if they want to work with you or if they want to follow you on Instagram or any program you have coming up, anything you want to share? Yeah, absolutely. So I'm pretty active on Instagram, probably not this month, but, um, you know, I'm active on Instagram. It's Juliet two underscores Tang. And, uh, I'm also on Facebook. It's just my personal Facebook page, Juliet's Tang Z. Um, I also have a Facebook group called love affair with the queen love affair with the king. It's just for women who are in this restoration journey with a masculine. And that link is always just in my Instagram bio. So you can't miss it. I didn't know about that. I'm going to have to join that. Thank you so much. I I mean, like I said at the top of the show, you're um, just seeing one of your posts. uh, It really sparked a a different part of my journey that, uh, I mean, I'm I'm having the benefit of sharing that with you today, but we we don't know how many women you have done that for that, you know, ultimately it led them to healing their relationship with God or healing their relationship with the masculine in some form, or at least starting to ask questions. So really thankful for you and and the boldness that you speak from, because I know it does take courage. Thank you so much, Jade. Thank you for your presence. Thank you for this co-creation and opportunity. Yeah. I'm so grateful that I get to be um, the conduit for this work. All right, you guys. Oh, that, that was, um, you know, I'm, I feel so drawn to her work and it still stretches me. It still pushes my edges. And that's why I'm thankful uh, for it because we, we need that. That's how we discover what our yeses are, what our no's are is through getting rubbed up against. And uh, for the sake of time, I didn't feel like I could dive deep into some of these topics with her. Um, and so I want to just share a little bit more of my perspectives on them. Uh, and I did a little bit with her, uh, the idea that we're all one. There is, I do feel that what we do to another, we do to ourselves. But in that sense, we are all one collectively. What a man does to a woman, he does to all of the feminine. I do feel that way. That's why... Sometimes in my healing practices, I feel that I'm healing things collectively that aren't even mine because, uh, we take on, uh, we take it on. And so there is that thought while I also understand that if we're coming from that place of we're all one, there's not that polarity and there's not that space for relationship. And so I think there's a help, like a healthy balance there and it can be both, um, I also feel like with the God, and I spoke this with her as well, and I want to encourage anyone listening who was triggered by this episode or who has more questions around healing relationship with God or who has religious trauma to listen to my episode with my pastor that came out at the end of, um, at the end of August. It was uh, with my pastor, Jason Morris. Because it is through his teachings and his, uh, pastoring that I have healed so much of my religious trauma and my relationship to God, because he teaches so differently than what I'm used to. And I, you'll get a taste of it in the episode. The episode is really, really healing. I'm so thankful uh, that he came on the show and I'd love to hear your thoughts on it. I think it's a great episode to follow up with this, uh, from this one, but when it comes to God, 
you know, it was really damaging for me to see God as outside of myself. God is someone who could leave me. And so it was really healing to, oh, I can access God within. I go deeper into the body to find God. Um, and that is still true for me. And I also, my best friend always says, everyone is God in drag. That means that, um, like find, find God in everybody. There is God, there is God consciousness in everyone and in every emotion and in everything and every breakup and every new relationship, there is God consciousness. You can find God there. And so while I feel that God is in everything, God is in all, and we access God within, um, I do see what she's saying of, uh, there has been this like narrative in the new age movement of like, someone takes mushrooms once and all of a sudden they are an oracle and they are speaking as God and they are channeling God. And that's beautiful because we can all channel God and we can all speak God's um, words. Like we can all channel that type of wisdom. It's beautiful and it's all true. Um, there's a healthy balance there where it steps into ego and it becomes, look what I can do. I'm God, look what I can do. And uh, yeah, so that's, that's my perspective on, on both of those. I, I do want to share, she, she mentioned a couple of times that we store this trauma with money and with God in our yoni and in our yoni lips. Um, that's a huge topic. So I didn't dive in with her because I knew I only had her for about an hour, but I want to share that. Uh, I agree. Uh, we carry so much in our cervix and in our yonis. And uh, one of the affiliates that I share in every episode is wands, uh, W-A-A-N-D-S. And they have a cervical wand. And I have used that to heal so much from my yoni, from my cervix, from my yoni lips. And I'll share, you know, you can, you can book a session with me to go deep on this. And I'm going to, uh, not pun intended there, <laughs> and I'm going to do a masterclass on it at some point. But what you can do, and if you don't have the cervical wand, you can use your finger. But what you do is you, you intuitively press. I like to use, like, um, go around the yoni lips and just kind of go down like an inch or two. And then with the cervical, with the cervix, I like to go in a clock, like 12, three, six, nine, back to 12. You can also just intuitively feel where you, uh, just intuitively where you are holding energy or stagnant energy, or just stuckness in your yoni, in your cervix, in your yoni lips. And what you do is either with your finger or the cervical wand, I really love using the cervical wand and speaking my intention into it. I'll share more about the, the, the wand when I talk about the affiliates in a sec. But what you do is you press on those points and you breathe in to feel what's there. And then you breathe out to sound. And sometimes that sound is a hum. Sometimes it's a cry. Sometimes it's a yell. Sometimes it's a song, but sometimes it's a moan. It's, it's just, you have to let your, so many of us are afraid of our sound and our sounding is liberating. We liberate so much energy through sound, even just through humming. If you're feeling anxiety and you just start to hum or you, ohm, that moves so much anxious energy. So you do that on whatever points that you're feeling called to do, or you can follow those points that I said, and you, and you, you will notice, like you will feel when you breathe in and what's here, deep, deep breath through the, uh, in through the nose, you'll feel, oh, like 
I can feel that there's something there around money or around men or around God. And then you sound it out and you'll feel it move. You'll feel it liberate. And it's not something that it all happens in one session. This is something that I did for like nine months before I felt like my yoni and my cervix and my yoni lips were like fully de-armored and healed. And I mean, I'm sure if I went into a practice this afternoon and did it, more would move. But I wanted to share that because that is a really powerful practice and really powerful tool. Uh, and then the last thing I want to share is, uh, you know, she talked about, we talked about provision uh, with the masculine. And like I said, biologically, that feels really good in my body. I also am always going to want to contribute because I want to contribute to the world. I want to contribute to my family, to my children, to my, to my husband, uh, like, like I said, as his courtesan, as the children's homemaker. Yes. Like that's how I want to contribute. And I still have a strong desire to contribute to the world. And through that, that brings in abundance to my family. And I'm always going to desire to, to be in that role. There'll be times where I'm sure like that part of that is like taking time off to write a book. And then that contributes to both the world and to my family. But I, I wanted to speak on, um, so to say that in that I'm saying like, I always see it as a teammate thing. Um, and there's like this level of provision from the man that isn't even financial. It's like this provision of safety, protection, and, uh, support of just, I've got you, I've got your back it has nothing to do with money. It's a, it's a level of provision of just safety and, uh, protection and just like, Oh, there's nothing like it. Okay. So I wanted to share um, a quick little story about uh, yesterday for Labor Day. I went to uh, to a farm that uh, my good friends, Kyle and Natasha Kingsbury are building a home on. And man, I got so emotional because, and I might get emotional now. <laughs> when I first met them, so Kyle was a fighter. Tasha was a ring girl. And uh, we got pregnant at the same time. And I would go out and visit them in California. And they lived in a garage. They lived in his mother's garage. He was a, uh, you know, he had been a fighter. He was also a bouncer at a bar. And Tasha was a ring girl. We ended up ring girling together for Invicta, which was, UFC, it was a uh, the women's league on UFC fight pass. But I remember I would come visit them in, uh, in California and they were in this garage with Bear, their son, just the three of them in a garage, like didn't have, it wasn't even a full home. It was a garage in his mother's garage, which most men would be like too proud to do. Most women would, you know, have that princess energy that she mentioned or that wounded maiden. They did not. They, even in that garage, they were so abundant and they like I could feel from them that they felt rich, like they felt rich and wealthy and they gave as if they were millionaires. Uh, like they would have me there. I would sleep on their, on the floor, on a sleeping pad, but they would, um, you know, Kyle would take me to the store and get all this stuff. Like he just, he always acted like he was so wealthy in the way that he gave and the way that he lived. And I remember like one time he gave me $500 for Christmas and I was like, Kyle, you can't give me this. And he was like, yes, I can. I'm rich. And he was like, and most people wouldn't think of him as rich, but he always embodied that and the way that he gave and the way that he loved and the way that he, uh, uh, just the energy that he embodied. 
So that's the garage. And then they, you know, they move to Austin. They move into this, uh, this home on, on the east side of Austin, southeast. And I remember him taking me. We, we all had a play date at the pool. And he takes us, me and the kids, to walk through the home that they're living in currently. And it's the wood beams. And I'm like, oh, we should watch, uh, write mantras on here. Like, write your words that you want this home to, to really um, have, the energy that you really want it to have. And I remember we walked into this wood beam you know, structure of this home. And even though it wasn't like his dream home, because I, and I knew he wanted to live on land, like, even though it wasn't like his forever home, he walked in there feeling like such a King and so excited. And like, as if he, he, it was as if he was walking into a mansion, the way he was like, just the energy he held. And I watched them live in that home and feel as if they were in a mansion, give as if they lived in a mansion, have us over for so many meals, let us live with them at times. And it was like, it, they truly embodied someone who was so wealthy. I know people who actually are millionaires who don't embody that. And Kyle and Tasha did. And so then to be on the farm yesterday in Lockhart, and he took us through the house that he's building now. And it is his dream house. I mean, he, like he designed it. It's his dream house from, uh, how eco it is eco-friendly to, uh, the, you know, the gun storage to the podcast room, the art space, like he mocked up his dream home on a hundred acres on this farm where the dining table faces a glass wall where the sun's going to set every night. And it's just, I watched him and I watched him be thankful for the garage and feel wealthy in the garage while still holding the dream of this house. And it's like, he didn't wait until he had the house. Tasha either. They didn't wait until they had this house or this land to know that they were wealthy. And um, it's just, it's so beautiful to see now their dream unfold. I feel like, like, Kyle puts the man and manifest and, and Tasha, you know, like she's been that grounding cord. She's been that, um, she's been that true, like queen for him that has believed in him no matter where they were at. And I've talked to her about this. And what's so beautiful is that Kyle will never question why she's with him. Like she just wanted to be with him, whether they were in a garage or on the hundred acres in a dream home, she just wanted to be with him. And, and they built it together. Like how beautiful is that? And so, you know, Juliet was talking about that wounded maiden or that wounded princess energy of like, I need the man to have this and this car and um, have this much money, but like, oh, how beautiful is it to build it together? You know, no matter what that looks like, whether you're both working or one is working and one is um, maintaining the home and creating a home that is like beautiful for her king to come home to, you know, and, and she's just, like I said, that courtesan to the man, like it's all beautiful either way. Like how beautiful is it to build it together and, and to know that in every part of the journey, you're wealthy because you have the love, no matter if you're in a very tiny garage or in your dream home, no matter what that dream home looks like, um, to know that you have it all and you have all that you need how beautiful is that? So I wanted to share that because, uh, it just, 
I don't know how long I talked about that. I feel like I went into a, I went into a little emotional. <laughs> thank you for bearing with me. I hope that was touching for you. I'm going to thank the affiliates. Please go to my site, jade-bryce.com because every month I run a masterclass that is uh, something I'm very passionate about. So check out that, whatever my masterclass is this month. You can probably check out my Instagram to see what it is as well. And then uh, right under jade-bryce.com in the show notes, you'll see a link for cock worship. Uh, that's another thing I'm really excited about, the, a course that I'm taking so that I can better worship my man, but also heal both of our relationships to the genitals. And then right under that link, you'll see a link for gene keys. It'll take you to the dream uh, course, but any course you take on gene keys through that link, I'll get a small cut. And that's a way you can support the show. And then the wands that I talked about, the cervical wands and the yoni eggs, you can find all those at wands, W-A-A-N-D-S.com. Code Jade gets you a discount there as well. All things infrared at higher dose, code Jade75 should get you $75 off. I really love the um, infrared face mask because I can just wear it when I do a home workout if I'm not getting too sweaty or I can wear it while I watch Ted Lasso, whatever. Uh, it's so good for the skin. And uh, they also have a sauna blanket that's great because then your hair isn't getting damaged by the heat. I love all their products. All right. Thank you so much for tuning in and being on this journey with me. It would mean so much, y'all, if you would leave a review. If everyone that listened to this episode left a review, it would do wonders for this show. So please leave a review. It'll only take you a minute. Or share an episode with a friend. That's another way the show can grow through your support. You can also join me on Instagram at Untamed and Unashamed Podcast. As always, be a light. Stay open and remember you belong here. But we got what it takes for the circle.